And you're listening to Out There here on Valley Fee Radio. I forget that that Out There show introduction, that's actually the one that comes. I let it play in automation, and then it's not the my show intro. Anyway, this is Out There on Valley Fee Radio. Out There airs Fridays from 4 until 5. And uh, stay tuned for stories from the streets and paths of Northampton or just from the paths of my head, the inner workings of my head. Um, did I say it's the 17th? I think I did. November 17th, 2023. So for today's show, I have a little interview with people that were out on Route 66, just downhill from the military, um, uh, uh, what do you call it, military contractor, weapons contractor, military contractor in uh, Northampton. They were just down the hill from L3 Harris. Uh, kind of an encampment, sort of. I wouldn't call it an encampment. I'd call it a gathering uh, with um, asking for L3 Harris to quit making weapons, particularly ones that are being used uh, by Israel. And I also have a clip from what is it from that's like kind of the fresh material for today in terms of recorded clips i have lots of announcements and things and first i will say that it is fun to drive that's where that part of my brain was i knew uh, fun drive this week is fun to drive here at valley free radio and Valley Free Radio is all volunteer. If I was getting paid for this, I'd probably be a little smoother. But it's all volunteer, and we rely on contributions from our listeners and wherever else to keep the show on the air. And so if you want to donate, we'd really appreciate it. You can donate online at valleyfreeradio.org slash donate. Or... You can hand me a check if you ever see me around town. Uh, if you hear me around town, hear my radio voice. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, I, obviously, obviously I'm a little spaced. That reminds me, the city council met last night, Northampton City Council met last night. They were talking about important things. That was the 16th of November. They always are. Redesign, redesign, Main Street, the Main Street redesign, picture Main Street. That was a big topic. Uh I just went for the public comment section because that lasted about an hour and a half, I want to say. And I, I I signed up to speak. And then when I spoke, it was just my brain was just kind of fried, kind of like it is now. OK, time for someone else to speak. You know, the more I talk, the more I think of something else to say. So now I remember. So the last couple of shows I had been talking about grieving my friend Dwayne Rainey. And look, it's four, it's five after four. I talked for five whole minutes today on this show before I remembered that. So my grieving process is moving along. Dwayne died on the 24th of October. So it's coming along like four weeks. I think I'm in the fourth or fifth week. And one of the things I did for my uh, healing process, I was able to take a two-day trip to... Hudson River Valley, New York. This was Monday and Tuesday. I'm totally babbling. Here, here's Giselle. 
my phone dies. From you, it's Tuesday morning, Jew. What is it? November 14th. I'm here in uh, somewhere in the Hudson River Valley with Giselle. Giselle Granger. Giselle. Hi, Giselle. Hi, Rootsie. Hi, everyone. Um, what are you, why Giselle? It's, you're from Trinidad and here you are in <laughs> the cold breeze of upstate New York. It's, how's things in the loon? Things are fine. <laughs> things was a little rough this year, but I believe that all is well at the moment. We got a back a lot of rain. We didn't have a lot of rain for a period of time, which made things very difficult and very hard. But glad to everyone who came to help on one family farm and everything is back to normal again. All right. Thanks, Giselle. So that's Giselle, my friend from Trinidad, who is the host of the farm where I often go uh, during some winters and uh, sent some bicycles too. Yep. I don't know. That's just a clip in the day of the life. I guess I'll skip to today's uh, interview, seeing the people uh, by L3 Harris. Uh, ben, you were just in nope, DC. Nope, not that. And nope. Uh, I don't know what I did with that interview. All right. Thanks, listeners. In that case, I will play the one about Enrico raking the leaves from last week. So it's Wednesday, November 8th, 2023. I'm on the rail trail coming back from Cans for Cancer and Valley Recycling. Actually, I noticed earlier today there's some leaves that have been blown off the path. They're getting kind of heavy on the path right now. And coming back from, from Valley right now, I see a man walking along the leaf blower in his hand, the tiniest little leaf blower I've ever seen. <laughs> What's your name? Enrico. Enrico. And I now see you have a jacket that says Bike Lane Uprising. That's suspicious. <laughs> What's that about? Uh, Bike Lane Uprising is a, a, a group, I believe they're based in Chicago, that uh, builds a database of uh, urban bike lanes uh, and tries to track, uh, you know, bike lanes that get blocked, bike lanes that aren't maintained, etc. Uh, in city areas, and they make a nice uh, windbreaker rain jacket, so I, I, I wear that around. <laughs> cool. Um, and what are you doing out here today? Uh, as, as you noted, I'm <laughs> trying to clear a little bit of the leaf matter that's out on the trails. Um, of course, around here, the trails aren't under any, any regular maintenance. You know, everything's done by donors at the moment because we're still trying to get, you know, any, like, city or state involvement in uh, maintaining infrastructure out here. So I'm uh, out here clearing leaf matter before it freezes down, trying to get a bit more of it before it really mulches in and makes the surface much worse this winter for those of us who use this trail year-round. So do you use it, like, do you go, go between East Hampton and Northampton, or what, what's your use of it? Uh, all the time. Uh, I have a, a cargo bike, an electric cargo bike, that is my primary form of transportation. Mm -hmm. um, I try to avoid driving cars as much as possible, so this is a, this is a key infrastructure route for me uh -huh. uh, and for a lot of people. And, you know, plenty of people commute along here regularly year-round uh, and just making this a usable in piece of infrastructure so that, uh, you know, those who do bike are not forced onto the main roads around here in, in the winter is key. Did you do this last year? I did a little bit of it last year in thereabouts. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not in town all the time. I travel a lot for, for work, but when I'm in town, I try to come through seasonally and do this or do clearing when there's a heavy brush on the side of the, the trail or anything like that. So. Cool. Just because you love bikes as a transportation option or what? Uh, as I say, because I think it's a you know key transportation uh, infrastructure, and because I, I'm mostly just frustrated that it's not done not done uh, you know properly uh, by any other group. So uh, you know, 
everyone chips in where they can along a lot of the trail. And, uh, you know, I know I'm not the only one who was out here doing these sometimes. So uh, just trying to make it a little bit more usable for myself and everyone. What kinds of other things do you see people out here doing? Uh, mostly, mostly just that kind of care, you know, a uh, little bit of uh, leaf work, tree, tree debris removal, you know, trimming when the uh, trail gets very over, overgrown in the winter, uh, in the yeah. summer mostly. I see someone cutting the multiflora rose out from between the fence, the wooden fence there mm -hmm. sometimes. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, exactly. That sort of work. <laughs> um, how'd you get into biking? Uh, I've, I've been a primarily bike-based commuter for most most of my life. Um, I mean, I rode bikes uh, in school, uh, lived in Boston for a number of years. I was part of the communities there heavily and uh, did a lot of uh, advocacy work with infrastructure in that area. Um, and, you know, got very used to having a lot of publicly maintained infrastructure for sure. Uh, so when I moved back out this way, it was uh, a priority for me to really help uh, try to get more people out of vehicles, onto bikes, onto buses, onto everything in this area. So, um, do you know any more about like uh, people trying to organize the, the Manhattan Rail Trail to get it taken care of? Um, there are there are groups both in Northampton and in East Hampton area um, that are organizing for that sort of stuff. Um, the uh, the East Hampton part of the trail specifically is actually completely maintained by the Manhattan Rail tra uh, Rail Committee down there, uh -huh. um, and there is a push right now both to bring in more regular maintenance as well as to try and get you know city and state involvement in that maintenance i know yeah. well thanks for blowing the leaves off it's i um i was riding the path last night actually in a different part of the path but with oncoming traffic and a trailer with extra wide <laughs> wheels in the dark i'm like where's the edge of the path i really have no idea <laughs> yep yep uh, you're listening to Out There on Valley Free, Radio, Valley Free Radio. That was Enrico. I didn't give him any trouble for blowing the leaves with his little electric leaf blower instead of raking the mile or whatever he was doing. No, just teasing. Thanks, Enrico. So there uh, is a campaign called Leave the Leaves. Mm, they're not talking about on the rail trails, though, <laughs> like in yards. I'm going to read this article. This is by Justin Wheeler on October 6, 2017, from the Xerxes Society for Invertebrate Conservation. One of the most valuable things you can do to support pollinators and other invertebrates is to provide them with the winter cover they need. Besides providing the right plants and protecting your garden from pesticides, one of the most valuable things you can do to support pollinators and other invertebrates is to provide them with the winter cover they need in the form of fall leaves and standing dead plant material. Frequently, however, this is the hardest pill for gardeners to swallow. It may be habitual, a matter of social conditioning, or a holdover of outdated gardening practices from yesteryear. But for whatever reason, we just can't seem to help ourselves from wanting to tidy up the garden at the end of the season. Raking, mowing, and blowing away a bit of nature that is essential to the survival of moths, butterflies, snails, spiders, and dozens of arthropods. So, if you can leave the leaves, leaves are not litter. They're food and shelter for butterflies, bees, moths, and more. Tell friends and neighbors to just leave the leaves. Xerxes.org um, While monarch migration is a well-known phenomenon, 
it's not the norm when it comes to butterflies. In fact, the vast majority of butterflies and moths overwinter in the landscape as an egg, caterpillar, chrysalis, or adult. And all but the warmest climates, these butterflies use leaf litter for winter cover. Great spangled fritillary and woolly bear caterpillars tuck themselves into a pile of leaves for protection from cold weather and predators. Red-banded hair streaks lay their eggs on fallen oak leaves, which become the first food of the caterpillars when they emerge. Luna moths and swallowtail butterflies disguise their cocoons and chrysalises as dried leaves, blending in with the real leaves. There are many such examples. Beyond butterflies, beyond butterflies, bumblebees also rely on leaf litter, leaf litter for protection. At the end of summer, mated queen bumblebees burrow only an inch or two into the earth to hibernate for winter. An extra thick layer of leaves is welcome protection from the elements. There are so many animals that live in leaves. Spiders, snails, worms, beetles, millipedes, mites, and more. Um, there's so many animals that these animals support the chipmunks, turtles, birds, and amphibians that rely on these insects for food. Leaves and lawn. According to a 2005 NASA estimate, there are around 40 million acres of lawn in the continental United States, making turf grass the single largest crop we grow. This disproportionate ratio of lawn to garden is the main reason that we rake, mow, and blow. To mimic the natural ecosystem, an animal needs a layer. To, mi to mimic the natural ecosystem, an animal needs a layer of leaves needs to be at least a couple of inches thick. While this would be too much of a good thing for turf grass to handle, research has shown that lawns actually benefit from a thin layer of leaves and the rest can be piled up around ornamental trees, shrubs, and perennials to no ill effect. If you must keep your lawn clear of leaves, try opting for raking or using a leaf vacuum to capture whole leaves rather than shredding them with a mower and make a leaf pile in a corner of your yard. Better still would be to reduce your overall lawn footprint, replacing it instead with wildlife supporting plantings that could be future repositories for fall leaves. And there's one about to shred or not to shred. Okay, I'll read that too. Many organic gardeners opt for shredding their fall leaves for use in compost piles. While this is certainly a more environmentally friendly practice than bagging leaves and sending them to the landfill, shredded leaves won't provide the same cover as leaving them whole. And you may be destroying eggs, caterpillars, and chrysalises chrysalis, along with the leaves. We suggest that leaves in garden beds and lawn edges be left whole. Where space allows, consider creating a leaf pile and allowing it to break down naturally, or add the leaves gradually to your compost pile over time. As an aside, your reader here has said, leaves in our compost pile, leaves, the whole leaves kind of mat down. For a compost pile, I find the shredded ones a lot easier, if that's your purpose. Sorry, little critters that get shredded. Oof. Um... And what about also leaves? They're free mulch. Another reason to leave the leaves is for the many benefits they provide to your landscape. They provide valuable organic matter and build up healthy soil. 
Uh, fallen leaves have the same have the same weed suppression and moisture retention properties of shredded wood mulch, and they're free. Where mulch is desired as a decorative element, what could be more seasonally appropriate than a pile of brightly colored fall leaves? Yes, 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 yes. All right, the final, the bottom line. Um, you, uh, never mind. I'm not going to read this. The bottom line is. Uh, you pretend you garden and avoid pesticides and don't carry all that hard work out to the curb. Simply put, when we treat leaves like trash, we're tossing out the beautiful moths and butterflies that we'll surely miss and work so very hard to attract. While the idea is to leave the leaves permanently for all of the benefits mentioned above, if you do decide you need to clean up the garden and remove the leaves in the spring, Make sure you wait until late in the season so as not to destroy all the life you've worked to protect. In the past, gardeners may have worried that fall leaves matted down by snow or rain would have a negative impact on their perennials. In reality, a thick layer of leaves provides additional insulation against bitter cold weather and can protect newly planted perennials when frost heave may expose tender roots. Anyone who has spotted fragile spring ephemerals popping up in the woods knows that all but the frailest of plants will burst through the leaf litter in spring without trouble. Thanks for listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm Ruthie. This is Fun to Drive Week. And if you would like to donate, what's easiest for us is online. If you go to valleyfreeradio.org slash donate. Why to donate? Why to donate? This is a pretty awesome station where kind of like anybody can have a show and you don't have to uh, please any advertisers and it's all volunteer run and it's a really amazing community project that I'm happy to be part of for the last, I think, I think I started out there nine years ago here on Valley Free Radio. Um, yeah, you can go to valleyfreeradio.org and... Make a tax-deductible contribution. Also, donations are matched by an anonymous donor. And also, I believe we get an extra $10 for every individual donation, too. And what I know I should give. What can I say? The radio station's great. I'll go to my next clip. That's how the day is rolling. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, sorry. That, that's the one. Here we go. It's Friday, November 17th. I was riding up Hospital Hill and I saw cardboard signs, Palestine flags. And so I stopped in and I was referred to. What's your name? Sachin. Sonia. And what are you doing out here today? We are here um, in an act of protest against this weapons company, L3 Harris, which is right in our backyard. Uh, here in Northampton. Um, they supply optical technologies and surveillance technologies to the Israeli government uh, in their genocidal conquest of taking over Palestine's land. Um, and we've had several direct actions here over the past few weeks since October 7th. We had a blockade um, uh, the week after October 7th, and then we've had a couple of protests in front of L3 Harris. We have folks that have been standing in front of L3 Harris with signs consistently throughout all this time. Um, and we kind of saw this moment as uh, a chance to kind of s slow down the energy a little bit because there's a lot of energy and not a lot of time for conversation, it seems, at these protests where we're 
chanting and we're really uh, excited, but we also don't have the time to discuss all of the details and all of the information that we need to know about, you know, what this company is and how to fight against it. And um, so that's what we're doing here. We're just, we're, we're um, a block party that has been here since Wednesday, 6 a.m. Um, we have had arts and crafts, we've had live music, we've had free food, we've had uh, tons of people just stopping in and out and chatting with us about Palestine and about this weapons company that occupies $22 million worth of land in our city. Um, and talking about how to build uh, uh, structures of community that can sustainably and long-term fight to take this weapons company out of our community and to shut it down. Yeah, I think Sachin covered most of it, but a big goal is to really bring all of these different organizations that have been doing this kind of work for either weeks or years and years all together um, in order to collaborate and really build up our movement and as well as bring new people in and build this strong sense of community and trust so that we are able to do bigger actions and be more coordinated and take care of one another. So yeah, it's been a really amazing space to get to know folks and build that. Um, can I ask each of you, how did you get involved or what motivates you to, to do this here today? Um, I think the obvious answer is violence at the scale that we're seeing is horrific beyond belief and there really is just no other response that I think is human other than to do whatever you can to try to stop it. When you're seeing children's limbs being blown off by the thousands in the span of a month, by bombs that are falling from the sky that our government is supplying to this government in Israel, it's so hard to not do anything about it. And you also don't know what to do about it because I don't, as a person, I don't have control over the military companies that are sending these arms abroad. Um, but at the same time, I know what I want my community to look like, and I know what I want communities around the world to look like, and that is to be peaceful, to have their needs met, to have one another, in a, in, and to have like a safe and healthy and happy life. And so I, I think my goal with all of this is to remind myself and to remind other people that just as our project is destructive in the sense of we're trying to get rid of and dismantle weapons companies and the military industrial complex as we know it, it's also constructive and probably more constructive than it is destructive because we want to build a whole new world for ourselves. One where we're all housed, one where we're all fed, one where we have water, where we have electricity, where we have education, where we have food, um, where we have a livable climate, all these things that we need. Um, that's what we're trying to fight for. And I think just seeing the show of community support out here over the past few days has been a really good reminder that other people want that same stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me personally also, um, there is this claim and this quote-unquote rationale that this violence is in the name of Jewish safety. And as an anti-Zionist Jew, I feel like it is really important for me, especially in this moment, to come out and say, this is not in my name. This is not for the safety of my community and my people. This is not what will bring us liberation. We can't have Jewish liberation without Palestinian liberation because they're all so interconnected. And just being able to 
you know, say that from my specific point of view and the identities I hold and also bring attention to um, L3 Harris. I've lived in the Valley for over five years and I only last month learned that L3 Harris has a location here and I was arrested outside of it uh, during the blockade action uh, along with five other people and we were charged with disturbing the peace for protesting a weapons manufacturer. So yeah, you know, doing anything in our power to both bring attention and as such and said, shut it down while building this new world. Yeah, thanks for being here. Anything else you wanna add? Um, I just want to say real quick, we planned for this to be from Wednesday through today, but our intention was fully to have this keep going. And we've seen over the past couple of days that this is becoming a self-sustaining project. There's new people coming every day with supplies, with blankets, with food, with activities, um, with signs, with flags, and we want that to keep happening. And even if we're not organizing this next week, we really hope that there will be people on this hill doing what we're doing right now, and we will certainly join in. So are people here overnight? Is it just during the day or what? Uh, just during the day. We've been here from either 6 or 8 a.m. up until 9 p.m. Uh, for the past two days, and that's the plan for today as well. Okay. So if people see you out here, they should show up. Yes, They should absolutely, absolutely show up. And uh, if people want to get involved with shutting down weapons companies, uh, Stay up to date on Instagram. You can follow Demilitarized Western Mass and uh, Anti-Imperialist Action Committee. Those are the two organizations represented here. And that was Sachin and Sonia from uh, gathering by L3 Harris on Route 66 today. They've been there for the week. Um, yeah, L3 Harris. If you go to the L3 Harris website, it says... Well, you can, well, okay, L3 Harris. <laughs> Don't ask me to look at a website while I'm talking. They have job openings. You can find your career. You can design innovative solutions for the world's toughest challenges across air, land, sea, space, and cyber domains. You can find your job, career in business and operations. Put your business expertise to work in a mission to create a more secure world. New grads and interns become part of our next generation of innovators and leaders. Or international. Find your calling in 45 plus countries around the world. Or for military and veterans, your mission continues to help shape the next solution that delivers safety, security, and success to our customers. Anyway, um, that's L3 Harris. Uh, in Northampton, well, that's not for their Northampton careers. That's for their international careers. <laughs> Here's my coworker Ben, who I met on the path on the way back from this, the L3 Harris. Uh, I don't know, protest, whatever. Uh, ben, you were just in D.C. and what did you see in the metro? Oh yeah, I was riding the subway in D.C. and there was a an advertisement for L3 Harris, which is has an outlet in Northampton, but I guess it, you know it's a global uh, company. So anyway, I guess I don't think they make the missiles in Northampton, but the ad had like a picture of a missile flying through some weird reddish sky, and it said like defense moves at Mach five, 
or something like that, like a hypersonic missile development. <laughs> so why would a military contractor put ads on the DC subway? Um, a lot of like uh, Capitol Hill staffers like ride the subway in and out. So like you'll see ads for like the coal industry. Like 20 years ago when I, when I still lived there, there was like, um, I guess DC got made most of its electricity from coal. So they had ads on it saying, powered by coal, your subway or something you know, from like the coal industry, so, you know, association. But so, yeah, you'll see a lot of like weird ads in there. So defense contractors love it. And I think L3 Harris is a big one, right? Yeah, I have to do my research. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Sure. On the L3 Harris website, one of the tabs is investors. And that title is a relentless focus on creating value for investors. We are focused on executing the company's strategic priorities and delivering on our commitment to drive value for investors. And there's weapons trading for you, I guess. Well, next I'll play my more online resources for today. Sorry, I was sort of short in the stories column, but the brain fog column is quite full. This is from the International Dark Sky Association. Their little uh, movie called Losing the Dark. We live on the surface of a planet, spinning on its axis once every 24 hours. Its rhythms of day and night are embedded in the biological makeup of all life. During the day, we bathe in the glow of the sun. As night approaches, darkness takes over. It's a time to rest, to rejuvenate, to marvel at the beauty of the night. Until just over a century ago, our night skies were very dark. Now, even the wilderness is invaded by light. Our cities glow at night. Buildings are lit up. Unshielded lights blind us as we travel along our streets and roads. All these artificial lights overpower the darkness. The waste of energy is obvious, even from space. Much of that yellow glare the astronauts see comes from street lights. They produce most of the light pollution on the planet. The glare is scattered by the atmosphere creating sky glows over the landscape. We are losing the dark of night at the speed of light. Light pollution threatens the health of every living thing on Earth. Lights at night disrupt plant growth. Unshielded lights contribute to the deaths of countless land and sea animals each year. 
Migrating birds crash into illuminated buildings. Newly hatched sea turtles mistake the glow of electric lights for the shimmer of the ocean's surface. Bright lights at night also directly affect humans. Drivers and pedestrians temporarily blinded by poorly designed lights have suffered tragic accidents. Light pollution poses a silent threat to our health. Exposure to light at night disrupts the circadian rhythms that regulate our sleep cycles. People working at night under bright lights or living in light-polluted cities face a higher risk of developing diseases such as breast and prostate cancer. Here is a night sky with typical light pollution. On a good night, only the brighter stars and planets pierce the glow. This is what the night sky might look like if we could remove the light pollution. That faint band of light stretching across the sky is the Milky Way, our home galaxy. Because of light pollution, many people have never seen it. Astronomers know all too well the problems caused by lighting up the night. They need clear, dark skies to study the many fascinating objects in the universe. Light pollution simply washes out their view of the cosmos. Lighting up the night sky wastes money and fossil fuels. To keep a 100-watt light bulb turned on every night for a year, takes the equivalent energy output from burning half a ton of coal. Multiplied by the billions of lights blazing up from Earth, the cost of energy we use to light up the night is colossal. While lighting is needed, there are some simple things we can do to ensure that it's neighborhood friendly, energy efficient, and helps preserve dark skies. We can replace light fixtures that send light up to the sky with ones that direct light down, exactly where we want it. They're called fully shielded fixtures. We can also illuminate only the places that need it. And of course, we can just turn off unnecessary lights. These are smart ways to use lighting. They offer simple solutions to problems caused by light pollution. We have a choice between wasting resources by sending light to the sky or learning to use light more responsibly. Light pollution is a problem each of us can help solve. Together, we can bring back the dark of night to planet Earth. That was Losing the Dark. 
put out by the International Dark Sky Association. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm your host, Ruthie Woodring. This week is Fund Drive Week. Thanks to people who donated already to keep Valley Free Radio on the air and the technical difficulties minimized. Well, all my technical difficulties are operator error, but other programmers probably actually have like real technological difficulties that are the responsibility of the technology. <laughs> Who created that technology? Anyway, if you'd like to donate to Valley Free Radio online, is a great way to do it. You can go to valleyfreeradio.org slash donate. You can also mail a check to 140 Pine Street, uh, B9. I'm sure you can just send it to Valley Free Radio, 140 Pine Street, Florence, Massachusetts, 01062. Uh, checks made out to Valley Free Radio, and the uh, donations are tax deductible. Well, and I believe there's a matching matching donor. Um, any donations will be matched by another donor. So... Your $20 will be $40 for us, or actually $50. I think there's another $10 added to that. Sorry, I was out of town. I was kind of out of space in mind for the last couple weeks in my little grieving process, which is becoming much better. Next on out there, I should announce there will be Bike Lab on Saturday. That's tomorrow. You want to learn to fix your bike? How to keep it tuned up so it's there for you when you need it? Or maybe you know already, but you just need to borrow a bike-specific tool that you don't have. Well, come to the Bike Lab. Almost every Saturday since 2004. From 11.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Here in Northampton at 12 Northern Avenue. Come with your bike or your questions. And your willing attitude. Spare parts scavenger hunt every weekend. Vengan al Bike Lab de Northampton, el taller de bicicleta. Aprende a arreglar tu bicicleta y a divertirte. All repairs guaranteed to the end of the driveway. Details are online at pedalpeople.coop. That's the Saturday Bike Lab at 12 Northern Avenue. They say freedom isn't free, but at the Bike Lab it is. Thanks, Thanks to the expandable brass band for the background music on that. Now a song about uh, the fall about with Cheryl Wheeler. I, I realize I don't need to introduce songs this much, but I just babble about them because I'm trying to click the right button on the computer to get them to play. When fall comes to New England, the sun slants in so fine. And the air is so clear, you can almost hear the grapes grow on the vine. The nights are sharp with starlight, and the days are cool and clean. And in the blue sky overhead, the northern geese fly south in leaves our Irish setter red. 
when fall comes to New England. When fall comes to New England and the wind blows off the sea, swallows fly in a perfect sky. And the world was meant to be When the acorns line the walkways Then winter can't be far From yellow leaves a blue jay calls Grandmothers walked out in their shawls And chipmunks run the old When fall comes to New England. Yo no quiero ser un tipo de otro lado. A tu manera es complicado. En una bici que te llega a todos lados. Un vallenato desesperado. Una cartica que yo guardo donde te escribí. Que te sueñe que te quiero tanto. Oye 
to Valley Free Radio. We were having some technical difficulties there. I don't know. I didn't do anything different and it signal the noise came and the signal came, the signal went, whatever it did. So tomorrow is November 19th, which is also World Day of Remembrance events in Massachusetts. This is from the Vision Zero Coalition who's trying to make zero the number of deaths from victims from, of car crashes. Um, so let's see. It says, in 2023 so far, over 2,000 lives have been lost to or seriously injured by a traffic crash in Massachusetts, not including the countless friends, families, and loved ones impacted as well. On November 19th, the Massachusetts Vision Zero Coalition We'll recognize each person impacted during this year's World Day of Remembrance for victims of traffic crashes. I don't know how you can recognize each person impacted. I mean, there's so many people impacted. Uh, like I'm thinking about at last night's city council meeting, uh, a lot of one of the big topic was the redesign, the picture Main Street, Main Street redesign, and a, a lot of bike ped advocates were out at the city council meeting commenting about it. It reminded me when Jess, Jess Slavin spoke about how she was riding behind. She came up upon the crash, the accident, no, the crash where Charlie Brown, the cyclist, was run over by Northampton High School. And she was riding that day, like just not far behind him. And when she spoke at the city council meeting last night, this was two years ago, and it was just really clear how much that impacted her just as someone, another cyclist coming across the scene where a cyclist had just been killed. And so in, locally in Springfield, Walk Bike Springfield and Holyoke Bike Ped Committee will be hosting an event honoring those who have died in Hampton County on Sunday, November 19th at 1 p.m. on the steps of the Central Library. That's 220 State Street in Springfield. Uh, so these victims of crashes could be other people in other cars, pedestrians, cyclists, all those kinds of things. I'd also like to announce the winter market, winter farmer's market that starts, I think it starts tomorrow. Well, there is a market tomorrow, the Saturday, the night, the 18th. And that's at the Northampton Senior Center, 67 Con Street. And it will happen every other Saturday, November 18th through March 23rd, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And this week is fun to drive on Valley Free Radio. Please consider donating to keep us on the air. The weird eclectic shows that you like, uh, Democracy Now!, other syndicated shows. Uh, thanks for supporting with your donation the programmers that work hard some some of us harder or less hard than others to bring you quality shows nah. it's, it's a nice way of building community here in the connecticut river valley next on out there is 
a sorry. Here's a song I want to play. Anna T T T I J O U X. Tú nos dices que debemos sentarnos, pero las ideas solo pueden levantarnos, caminar, recorrer, no rendirse ni retroceder, ver, aprender cómo esponja absorbe. Nadie sobre todos, faltan todos, suman todos para todos, todo para nosotros. Soñamos en grande que se cayó al imperio, lo gritamos algo, no queda más remedio. Esto no es utopía, es alegre rebeldía del baile de los que sobran de la danza de mi mía. Levantarnos para decir ya vas, ni África ni América Latina se suba. Un barro con casco con lápiz a patear el fiasco, provocar un social terremoto en este chat.
Ana Tijo with Somos Sur. And I talked about the World Day of Remembrance of people that have died or been severely impacted by car crashes. Well, here's a song about a bike crash. Troy. Leroy Troy. I don't know where he, where I found him from, but he sounds like uh, he's probably from my, my neck of the woods. Thanks for listening to Out There Today on Valley Free Radio. I'm Ruthie Woodring. You can hear archived editions of Out There at weatherbeard.com slash out there. Uh, I know I mentioned the Saturday Farmer's Market tomorrow at the Senior Center Sunday. There's also Ultimate Frisbee in Haydenville, 2 p.m. Sundays. And this is Fun to Drive here on Valley Free Radio. The, if you'd like to support the station and uh, the programmers, the listeners, what we do here, it's all volunteer run, all that. Uh, and we, it's an amazing community resource because of the dedication of people that, that volunteer here and listeners. And with your contribution, WXOJ is able to bring diverse and important voices not widely heard to this listening area. Or I guess the online listening area is very large. We can receive donations online through the donate the what not PayPal or whatever that electronic transaction service. You can go to valleyfreeradio.org slash donate 
You can mail a check to 140 Pine Street, Florence. You can hand me money when you see me. <laughs> um, any amount is great. Any amount is great. Yeah. $5, $50, $500. It's all good. We're trying to raise $10,000 this fund drive. And I believe donations are matched. So give often. <laughs> Give generously and give often. So many good causes to support. And a lot of really generous things in this community. I, I was part of a GoFundMe fund drive last week to raise uh, money for Dwayne's cremation expenses. And there's like 33 people that donated to that in two days. We made the like $1,500 we were hoping to get pretty quickly. So I'm just super grateful to all the people that donated to that. Thanks to the people that donate to Valley Free Radio. It's a honor and a privilege for me to have a show here. And so I really appreciate those who, who make keep the station on the air and keep it functioning. At least sometimes when it's on the air. Sometimes I bet we've had, I hear we've had tech difficulties. Again, you can go to valleyfreeradio.org slash donate. Thanks for tuning in and stay tuned for Democracy Now! Coming right up. Yo, 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 this is Nightwing, and you're listening to Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP, 103.3 FM in Northampton, Massachusetts. Thank you, Cotton Tree Service, for your support of Valley Free Radio. Family-owned, fully insured, providing tree service in western Massachusetts since 1956. Tree